0: Welcome back to Right to Refuge, a podcast brought to you by Solidarity. I'm Becca, Communications Officer, and I'm joined by Jumana, Mental Health and Protection Manager at LP The Home, the source of this year's Solidarity design. Thank you so much for coming, Jumana. It's really lovely to have you here. Um, if you could just introduce yourself
1: and tell our listeners a bit more about what you do and what LP the Home does. Hello, Becca, and thank you for inviting us. As a psychologist, mental health and, uh, active, and protection manager at Elpida Home, we have a center for uh, refugees that provide uh, social services, we provide mental health services, we provide uh, legal services, help in um, health in uh, going to hospitals, ac- accompaniment with, of patients with vulnerable cases to the hospitals, helping them with tra- interpretations at the hospitals. Uh, we also provide Greek classes and a place for people to come and feel safe. Uh, in addition to all this, we also pro- help people in finding um uh, employability. We help them in their CVs, learning how to integrate in the Greek system uh, with all the taxes, how to open a tax account, how to get a social security number, all the different bureaucracies in Greece, which can, which is very difficult when you don't know the language. Uh, as for my department in the mental health and protection, we focus on the, providing um, therapy sessions, uh, psychological support, Working in groups and individuals with all all ages, kids, women, men, LGBTI, and a lot of torture victims. Uh, There's also a combination between the mental health and the legal department where we go and do um, visits to the detention centers in northern Greece. So we conduct uh, every month or two months. We get an approval to go visit the detention centers. We go there the psychologist, me and the lawyer, we meet with the different detainees, refugee detainees or people who just entered Greece, trying to detect vulnerabilities, see if they have special needs, uh, explain to them their legal status, what are the options, what is going to happen with them. And in some cases, we take their cases and try to help them getting Uh, released, referred to different places, if they have special, it depends on their vulnerabilities. So if many times we detect minors in adults' uh, detention centres. So we work with the public prosecutor in order to release them from there. Also, because of the lack of proper funding at the moment, uh, many organisations close their services, especially the mental health services, and we have been receiving a lot of referrals all the organizations that closed due to the shutdown of the, the of the accommodation scheme. This means that the whole group, the support group for the torture victims was closed. So we are receiving the, all the torture victims who were in this uh, support group for providing mental health services. Uh, when dealing with mental health issues as well, we cover not just the mainland. The center of Elpida is based in the Saloniki which is the capital, the, the, north, the capital of the Northern Greece. And this means we cover all of Northern Greece. Uh, the center is open to everyone, people who are accommodated by other organizations, are people who are homeless, people who come from, uh, from different camps uh, all around Northern Greece. So we have lots of people calling from camps, either to, to get any kind of psychological support, to see if they can get any kind of appointments, uh, to come receive Pampers, uh, things for babies, which we don't do, do regularly. We don't distribute uh, NFIs, but every once in a while we have a big don- like a donation of these things and we try to provide them for the most vulnerable people that we receive. So going back to the camps, especially now with the COVID and the lockdown, people are, stu- are stuck in the camps. Uh, the way we're trying to help them is being uh, open for their phone calls, providing them with psychological support, providing them with any... With, with knowledge and information, distribution of information that keeps changing about the situation, about the COVID, about their status, about their legal status. And this, because this is very frustrating. Every week, every second week, every month, there's new regulations changes about yeah. when is the asylum services open what are they going to do with the uh, with the applications they're going to stop receiving people they're going to continue receiving people people need to uh, renew their uh, asylum cards people need to apply for their travel documents people need to receive their residency permit because without having the residency permit which takes months after the receival of their approval for asylum they cannot do much in the country they cannot find a proper work they cannot be hired a, a, properly and receive all their uh, rights, and because the system goes slowly, and because of the COVID, everything has been delayed, and there's lots of frustration. There are lots of families who have four, five, six kids who cannot, who don't have money to feed their kids, and they come to us, and it's in a way, you can refer them to other organizations who do provide food for for people, but then it's it's not enough. It's not enough. People who have been who have received their asylum are cut from most support like any support that can be that can help them survive. And it's not a period where someone can find a job. Most of them they want to find jobs. And they look and they look hard, but it's difficult. And now with COVID, everything closed. You cannot go out. You cannot go give your CVs to restaurants and places. Everything's closed. And tourism was hit hard. Most of the people were hoping to work for seasonal jobs in the summer in hotels, in restaurants, in the islands where they can save money to live for the whole year. But all this was shut, was was closed because of the COVID. So in general, this is the the situation at the moment in Northern Greece. With, with this, we see a much increased number of people who are homeless, especially single men. Single men. They're not considered vulnerable. They're not entitled for accommodation. They're not entitled for many services because they're supposed to be not vulnerable, so they can manage. And we find lots of homeless single men. The problem with single men is any person who's above 18 is considered a man. So we find many kids who were 17 and a half or 17 with like just a few months before 18. They turn 18 while they arrive to Greece, and then they're men, but they're actually still children. And they're homeless, and they don't receive... uh, uh, services, and there's no one who provides them with the proper protection that they need. The new vulnerable group that was not considered before, uh, I consider as a big vulnerable group, is young men between the ages of 18 to 25, 26. And if they are neglected from the beginning, this will create a huge problem later on. They don't receive education, they don't get any kind of employment or uh, training, they're just staying away from everyone in order not to get arrested. The application for asylum in Greece at the moment is via Skype. Now, even if you get arrested by the police, it's very difficult for you to get the willingness number for applying for asylum. So I have many people who are just in Greece and cannot move on, cannot proceed, cannot get anything done because they cannot get their willingness number to apply for asylum.
0: I think this sort of paper trail was one of the most shocking things I found when I was sort of working in Greece, how difficult it is for people to kind of regularise their status, even though people, you know, there's this image that maybe refugees, at least in the UK, people think refugees don't want to work or they don't want to contribute. And it couldn't be further from the truth. It's that there are so many barriers to people being able to work and contribute. You touched on so many things. I have so many questions and interesting things that you kind of spoke about. You've got such a wide range of services and professionals working for LP the home
1: um how big is your team actually the team is small uh, okay. we are around 10 people yeah wow yes with a lot of services <laughs> yes it's a lot of it where I don't know from I've been working in the Greek uh, refugee crisis since two, the beginning of 2016 you can be a lawyer you can be a psychologist you can be a driver but you do everything <laughs> there's a lot of, number of people who need services. So the way you do it is you try to train the people to do the best they can during the emergencies. That was in the beginning. Now we're not going through an emergency. It's more of a stable play, stable situation where people come. So for the mental health, uh, you provide the services you can provide from the mental health. Uh, but then there's like other uh, things that come up, which are the language differences. So you have people who speak Arabic, you have people who speak Kurdish, three, two, two, three kinds of Turkish. You have Farsi, you have uh, people who come from uh, Africa who speak French, people who come from Africa who don't speak French or English, they speak their own dialects. So it's very difficult to, to deal with all these people. And you need translate interpreters for all this. Sometimes you've tried to find... Uh, volunteers or if you have budget you can hire someone for the languages that you use luckily i speak arabic so i do my sessions in arabic i don't need a, i don't need a, an interpreter or translator or anything to which is very important because when you deal with people who come from arabic culture which is I'm, I'm palestinian so you don't need to understand they you immediately understand where they come from which is an added value working with people from your own culture especially on mental health and especially when working with women so we, we, we prefer to work with people who know the background. We do cultural trainings for that also. Like we, need to, we like to hear what they want, not, you know, we build a program according to what we think is important and then we provide it. It's not how we work. It's hearing what they want, what their needs are, what other services that they think is lacking for, from our place and from the other organizations that we can fill the gaps on that. I mean, it sounds
0: like you've created a
1: really wonderful environment, and I think something that really stood
0: out was you said you kind of you don't LP the home hasn't come in and said this is what you need. We're going to provide it for you. You've listened to people, and I think and you're filling the gaps. I think that's something that's really important in aid circles, and something that often people with the best intentions going out and setting up NGOs don't always get right. And I think that's yeah, really incredible. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Thing on my words because I just what you guys do is really great <laughs>
1: <laughs> well there's, like also in the mental health like you know you open a department you say you're going to provide mental health and and, and uh, psychological support and then you say you know I will work with the uh, torture victims or people who've been through trauma and I will provide this but then you see people or women coming and they're having problems mm-hmm. with their kids how to raise their kids like a uh, Uh, parental uh, tools they need to learn more how to do parenting or you have a woman who comes and says i'm having problems with my husband i want to bring him and i want you to help us so you do couples therapy (laughs) (laughs) you do everything (laughs) yeah and not just that when you do couples therapy many things many other things arrive so sometimes you do sex therapy like for for couples and intimacy and how to uh because they were used to one kind of relationship. The husband is the provider, the woman is in the house, she brings the kids, she does all the job in the house, he goes to work, comes back at night, they make kids. (laughs) Now, (laughs) it's a bit different. They are all in the house, or one of them is working, also the women are trying to find jobs here. The women are going to organizations, they're not staying all the time in the house, they are um, developing in different ways, they're learning new things, the man and the wife. So the dynamics of the couples have changed, and they were, they're were they not used to this change as well. And they need to develop together in this. Otherwise, as we are saying, there are lots of divorces happening. So many are coming and saying this. So this is something that was not on the list of, uh, but it comes up. So they want this. And sometimes I have women coming, he says... Can you uh, talk to my kids and my daughters about, you know, getting their period, doing sex education? My daughter is starting to talk to kids and this is not allowed. How can I treat her? Or the boy is growing up and he's very angry in the house. So you start doing sex educations for the teenagers and the parents. Sometimes the, it's being there just for the, to, edu- like to train the parent how to do it themselves. Sometimes they tell you, no, can you please do it? Because it's something very sensitive and the parents are not used to talking about these things. But now the kids are exposed to many things. They're exposed to it in school. They're exposed to it from their Greek friends. So there are lots of other issues coming up. I want to ask you a bit more about kind
0: of therapy and what you guys do, because I know when our director Lexi visited and we she sort of took a piece of art from one of your therapy sessions, and that's now on our T-shirts for this year. So I was really hoping to kind of ask you a bit more about what you do in terms of the therapy yeah. sessions.
1: Yeah. Um, well, we have different things. Uh, we have the, car, the, the normal sessions. And we also do um, art therapy sessions. Uh, we do yoga uh, for women, mostly. People, they yeah. want to fill their time. They want to do something. They want to develop. They, want to, they didn't come to Europe just to escape. They want to, build their, they want to build their lives. They want to build new capacities to learn new things especially women and kids. And not just that, also men. Like we always talk about women and kids, but men are like, we cannot talk about domestic violence without tackling the man. And when the man is not happy in his job, he cannot feel that he's doing his duties as the man, providing properly for the family, taking care of his wife and kids. There's a lot of anger building in, and this can be seen in in the domestic violence so working and developing them and helping them do their cvs helping them getting trainings for new jobs helping them convert their certificates university certificates who they did in their own countries into european ones or depending on the country they're staying in order for them to provide proper jobs according to their specialty is also very important so we try to cover all this and this is a lot of things to be honest to do and it's it's with limited with re- very limited resources Uh, you try to prioritize to be honest you cannot help everyone you need to prioritize and see the ones who are most serious about this and follow up with them the whole way
0: yeah yeah so a lot of our listeners jamana are sort of students in the uk who are already you know active and aware of these kinds of issues and probably would really like to help is there anything that we can do as students or as kind of people as citizens that could help
1: well, there's always things that can help, as as I've mentioned before. There are lots of uh, there's increase need. There are lots of needs that we are trying to to fulfill, and it's not easy as a small team. And sometimes we have to postpone meeting with people due to lack of interpreters, proper interpreters, and we cannot hire because we have limited funding and all this, um, or even develop. Uh, New projects that we can do and invest in and provide more services to the to the to the community we are serving. So uh, trying to provide, I don't know. I don't want to say if it's funding, if it's money, if it's volunteers, uh, if it's sometimes even uh, some uh, non-food items or things that we can distribute. Because during the winter, we have lots of people who are homeless and they come and they need like winter things to stay warm. Some clothes, or a woman who's giving baby a birth to a baby, and they need uh, pampers, they need uh, clothes for the babies, they need these kind of things. But uh, providing items doesn't help the situation. The, our aim, it helps momentarily. Our aim is to help them get out of it themselves, empower them enough by the services we provide, by making them healthy, going to hospitals, doing their tests, uh, staying healthy, maintaining a healthy lifestyle, uh, get the medical, the mental support that they need, being aware of the services provided in the country and trying to use the services providing in the country. This is more important because then they can deal with themselves. Then they can buy the things they want. They don't need... Our... So mostly developing more programs and projects that will empower the people in order to do that we need to hire new people we need to have people with languages who can translate so this way we can reach bigger uh, uh, communities and uh, more people from different countries uh, so i guess this this is the things that we can help uh, we can we can use in order to develop more and get bigger because we're a very small organization
0: I always love hearing about these things because in my day job, I'm a medical student, which is all the kind of very acute, oh, here's the problem, we're just going to fix it now and give you a tablet, and that's great. Whereas this, the long-term stuff, I think, is just so important because there's only so many tablets you can can give at the end of the day.
1: And also, also like, the many cases of domestic violence or uh, rape victims or harassments in the camps and it's things that you need to provide protection for people emergency protection that many times you cannot do because the shelters are full because we cannot rent a room for this woman lack of funding we cannot uh, get her out of the camp because uh, she cannot leave the five kids with the abusive uh, with the perpetrator around or someone who has psychiatric issues and needs to be admitted to the psychiatric department, but we don't have a translator to send with him. Or he will be admitted for two days and then released, and then he's back in the camp, harming himself and harming others. It's it's many many cases that can be dealt with with more resources. It can be developed better. Yeah, I wondered if I could just kind of
0: ask you a bit more about the mural and the design that we're using for our T-shirts, if that's kind of okay, and what the mural means to you and why you think art is important and art about people's experiences, about refugee experiences, is important
1: to Um, you. For many people, using language to express their pain is not easy, especially when they've been through such traumas, like like the people I'm dealing with. Um, expressing their pain and culturally, they don't know how to say uh, like okay, i'm I'm not feeling well or uh, i I'm hurting, but you cannot express it properly. Art is an easier way for them to express it, to escape from the harsh reality they're going through to to scream to the world of what happened to them in the art uh, things that they are doing. It's putting people together who've been through different difficult situations and allow them to express their emotions any way they like on the canvas. Uh, it's easy to connect with, it's easy to do, you don't need languages for that. You can tackle all the ages of people. You can work with kids, you can work with adults, you can work with teenagers, and it helps people a lot. Yeah. You can you can see the woman like if you want to evaluate an activity, if it's successful or not successful, it's the amount of people who continue coming to this activity. And people love art and painting. yeah, Sculpturing, working with their hands, mm. painting, talking about it. Feel, feel The feeling of proudness after they finish it. This is their new baby. They have put their feelings on it. They have invested in it. They're getting positive feedback. Some people, it's the first time in their life that they get positive feedback for something they created it's been
0: absolutely lovely to talk
1: to you and so insightful and there's so much to learn from what
0: you said so thank you so much for coming um
1: and thank you for us inviting today. us and for covering this because this is very important and needed and um I thank you again <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to Write to Refuge. For each episode, we've collated further reading resources, which you can find by visiting our website. There, you can find everything podcast-related and also how to get involved in solidarity if you do want to make change. Please subscribe, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review as it helps other people to find us.